Get about the curveball, Ricky. Give him a heater. Welcome to the Heater Podcast. I'm Dan Lewig. He's Corey Peeper. As we have two weeks of the, well, I guess one week of the regular season remaining. The second week is now in the books as we recap it with only one more week to go. Uh, man, Corey, where did this season go? That's what happens when there's only 60 games. Seems like you just get started and it's ready to stop. It's uh, It has flown by. Uh, there's definitely some wonder if we would make it to the to this end, and uh, we have, and playoffs around the corner. Uh, I started getting the itch uh, right after the Rays uh, clinched uh, the you playoff should. spot, uh, and they put out their social media uh, promo uh, for it. Uh, now it's getting that. ready to go. I like it. And uh, uh, they, of course, what quote would you expect being in the middle of all that stuff? Something about COVID. Well, a whole stable full of, of pitchers that can throw 98 <laughs> miles an hour. Uh, uh, after that, I was like, all right, let's do this. Let's get this playoff uh, you picture in the way. When yeah. the Yankees are playing like that, you got to throw it in their faces a little bit. So, and uh, they listen to the rubbing in, though, and they're playing pretty good, too, now. Yeah, so. we're going to talk about uh, going off the uh, Yankees finally being the Yankees. And even earlier in the year, they never were this way. No, they're no, finally no. clicking in. Yeah. Uh, that offense has uh, gone uh, nuclear, and uh, we'll talk about that in this podcast. We have a bunch of things coming up here for you uh, in this uh, uh, this podcast. We have new ownership. We have the playoff bubble approved. We have some milestones. We have Josh Donaldson doing a classic <laughs> ejection, the way it should be done. We'll talk about that. Some George Brett uh, stuff. Some uh, fond farewell for uh, Ron Gardenhire, who uh, is retiring from uh, uh, managing and uh, and before we get the playoff itch, we're going to put on our respective GM hats for the teams that won't be contending in this year's uh, uh, playoff dance. Uh, who would you want to dance with? Who do you think you could take to the dance next year? Uh, we're going to talk about that as well. MLB's best one-run teams, what to watch for in this final week, what matchups do we want to see? All that's coming up here as we uh, get excited for... Uh, uh, the home stretch of, of Major League Baseball, but uh, as we do always, we need to update you on the the latest injury happenings, and especially with teams that are uh, we're at this point. Any any injury now could be season ending for oh, yeah. a playoff uh, contending team, especially. Let's start with the biggest injury of the week, and it's a guy that hasn't pitched basically all season, but he is going to now have Tommy John surgery, and he's going to be out all of next year at the ripe old age of 39. Justin Verlander, we heard it late in the week. There yeah, was reports. Hard one. There's reports that he was doing quote like simulated games, and he was going to possibly make it back for the postseason. And then out of nowhere, suddenly we're at Tommy John now, and he's out next year. And then who knows about the year after? That's the year where the collective bargaining agreement's up. So who knows at this point? Will we ever see Justin Verlander again? You wonder with that. Like I said, I'm sure right now there's the competitive edge itch of just wanting to get back and to say I, I can do this. But once you get ready to actually look at the the long uh, recovery uh, and the work that needs to go into it at, at his age, do you really want to? You don't have yeah. anything to prove, by all means. Five years will be in the Hall of Fame uh, then, right? Second so, year retires. Yeah. So it's a matter of, I, mean, I get wanting to play, and you only have so much time to do it. Uh, there's very few pitchers who have gone through that surgery at his age. 
Uh, did John Smoltz, or was it a little bit before that? Like I remember he had, he had it. it late, yeah. Uh, but, I, but I can't think of another pitcher of that caliber who underwent that type of injury and came back and was effective. No. Uh, so I, if this is the end of the road, the end of a, uh, a fantastic career, uh, it's a Hall of Fame one in five years, and we'll definitely have time to talk about that as well. Yeah. I, yeah. You hope he's back. We'll see. I I said it's going to be a strange. A lot of these injuries this week, though, are actually good news injuries. We talked about the Yankees. Part of the reason they're so red hot is Urshela's back, Gio, or Giancarlo Stanton's back, Aaron Judge is back, and when that Yankees lineup is fully healthy, it can really crank out some runs, and we saw that this week. You're going to bring that up. Uh, they, the Cardinals looking like a playoff team right now going to happen. Quan Young Kim got activated off their IL, came back, pitched a very nice game against the Brewers that night, I saw, and uh, another good start. Later in the week, Nick Senzel, the Reds are playing well finally. Took forever. Something clicked with the Reds. Nick Senzel getting off the IL. I don't know if it was that. Luis Castillo is finally getting the results that match up with what the numbers have been. And the Reds are back out looking good. Uh, Jose Altuve is back. Cole Hamels finally made his season debut with the Braves. Short start, but they need someone out there. With all the injuries they have to that rotation, uh, Cole Hamels could very well be the biggest player to come off the IL uh, for a playoff team right now. Mm-hmm. Cole Hamels back. Uh, let's talk about one that did go on the IL for a team that's now back in the playoffs, Reese Hoskins. The Phillies have been hit hard by injuries, really. Reese Hoskins hit the 10-day IL with a left forearm injury, and while he hit the IL, Rio Muto is suffering from injuries. They're not really sure if he's going to play this week. Bryce Harper left today early with a back injury, and... Philly's really starting to battle some big injuries at the end here. Well, and that's a tough one because they are uh, right now they they have that. Uh, uh, I guess seventh seed, right? Yeah, they're at the. Uh, let's see, I'm looking at the eighth, eighth seed. They are, I guess, seventh they're seventh one of the seed. Teams. That is, uh, they're up. They're 27 and 26, uh, but Cincinnati's 27 and 27. Uh, so you are like it's neck and neck right now. At the worst time to suffer those key types of injuries, by all means. A uh, person that we talked about last week that I don't think we, but we from what we heard, he wasn't going to come back, and he only spent the ten day IL was Tiasca Hernandez back activated off the IL for the Blue Jays back and playing. Wow, I thought I was hearing like season ending with we, what was that's was what there. they talked about, but he's back. Ken Giles, though, for the Blue Jays, he was on the aisle with an elbow injury. He got off the aisle. He's back on the aisle with an elbow injury. Elbows aren't good. He had that last year. Yeah. It's just sad, sad for him. Tommy Pham is finally back off the aisle with the broken hand. That one kind of came out of nowhere. As they were talking about maybe coming back this weekend, and then I think it was Wednesday night. They're like, nope, he's back. He's in the lineup, and I was that caught me off guard. But Padres, they need him all of a sudden because – the. The Dodgers kind of showed their dominance over them recently. Yeah, I have that in the news and notes oh. section here. We're going to talk about uh, teams that responded this past week uh, and teams heating up. Let's talk about your team here. Austin Meadows has been not as good as we thought he was going to be this year. Finally went on the IL. Oblique soreness. That's a an, an a grade two, I think is what they, they, they called it. So uh, it's not going to be a short one. It means that most likely he misses at least the first round of the playoffs. Uh, they have uh, uh, Yandy Diaz is taking batting practice along with G-Man Choi uh, for their respective injuries. And uh, uh, I know they're trying to get things back where they would be ready for the uh, first round of, of, the, of the playoffs. Again, Yandy Diaz did that last year, missed near a month and a half. 
came off the uh, the IL with uh, uh, no uh, time to do because the minor league season was done by that point. So no time to do any sort of minor league rehab, and he hits two home runs in the wild card game. So I'm not really worried about him coming back being rusty. He'll be ready to go. Uh, That's awesome. The interesting one is as teams also uh, put together their 40-man rosters, playoff rosters, so you have to uh, quarantine and and get everything into the playoff bubble that we'll talk about. Uh, There was uh, things going on around Twitter. People were getting nervous that uh, Wander Franco – uh, is on that 40-man, but people were wondering if he was being called up. No, he is just part of that bubble that is there. Nothing would surprise me with the Rays. They've done stuff like this before, uh, but at his level, I would be very surprised. But uh, we're going to have an example of a guy who went straight from the draft into the majors and uh, struck out the side. So uh, it is that type of year, so nothing is surprising. So there's, uh, from at least that playoff team, an update on those injuries and players coming back. Ooh, let's do a playoff update from the Twins. Mitch Garver got back off the DL. Good catcher, had 30 home runs from last year. Not nearly the hitter this year so far, but they, they could certainly use a good catcher for them. And then as he got activated off the IL, Jake Odorizzi went on the IL, 10-day IL, some blister injuries. We've seen blisters pop up in baseball. Some people blame it on the laces. It is what it is at this point. It's not a great time to go on the IL if you need a pitcher. Just remember laces out. Laces, that's right. Uh, Dakota Hudson, 10-day IL, forearm strain, pitching for the Cardinals. Forearms are weird. It's not good. You don't want that as a pitcher. Brad Peacock, shoulder soreness, 10-day IL. And once again, the Astros going to make the playoffs. And shoulders, we've said it all along. Shoulders worse than elbows when it comes to pitchers. But finally, one last good note is Max Freed came back off the IL, missed the, just a the 10-day minimum, came back, pitched well for them, and like you said, the Braves need all the pitchers they can get at this point. Yeah, it's a uh, uh, guys getting healthy is, is so important at this stage and trying to get a little bit of at-bats before you're going right into the into the playoffs. Uh, blisters are a, uh, a a fortunate injury, but at least if you take care of it now and just get them on the get them that that ten days of rest, you can have them ready for a postseason start, and that's the most important thing at this point. But uh, let's dive into those news and notes. So, what do you got? Uh, let's start with let's start with the Mets. We've ripped on the Mets plenty on this podcast because of their ineptitude that they've shown, unfortunately. But the Mets. This week, they sold their franchise. Steve Cohen bought the Mets from the, I think it's the Wilpon family who had it. Correct. And so he owns, I believe, 95% now, $2.4 billion for the Mets' value. And I think he'll spend to try to help the Mets out. There's no reason why they shouldn't be spending in that market. Uh, what has come down to is, again, you have owners that were uh, – probably one of the more prominent, at least in the sporting world, uh, owners that were uh, hit hard by the Bernie Madoff uh, Ponzi scheme, uh, and they were never the same with that team. There's always a limited budget for a big market team. Uh, and when you talk about the, the ineptitude of the Mets, it does begin with ownership at the top. This is not has not been a well-run organization, and so having someone coming in uh, with new ownership, that already is going to be a big change. Uh, and someone that is going to spend money. Uh, this should be a top five budget in baseball without question. Uh, that already is going to give more resources. Now, whether or not their current GM is the one that gets to spend that kitty, uh, that's going to be a different conversation in the offseason. That's Sandy Alderson, right? And that's They've talked about bringing him back already. We'll, we'll see what they're going to do there, but 
I, I wouldn't be surprised. You see the Mets make some. I don't. I actually have not looked that much at the free agency. I know Nelson Cruz and DJ LeMahieu, a couple of them, but got to make some big pushes. Try to get some new talent in there and compete with their crosstown rival. Just at a surface level, the free agent class is more uh, thin uh, mm. this year. But uh, again, having funds to spend, especially at a time when people may not be as a result of uh, the COVID-shortened season, anyone who has pockets is going to be able to do well uh, with the talent that is out there. And we'll take a look at that when we get into that off-season mode. Let's talk Let's talk Josh Donaldson. You mentioned it a little bit. Let's talk Josh Donaldson's weird game. Uh, Josh Donaldson became the first player, and I don't remember, I think it was 30-some years to get ejected after hitting a home run. So if you saw the game... Uh, Josh Donaldson got up to pe- the plate, and I don't remember who the umpire was actually, but he was not a fan of this umpire strike zone. The pitch before it, he got called a strike that was it was probably a good inch and a half on the inside part of the plate, and Josh Donaldson took offense and let him know it, and then he hit a home run the next pitch, and he rounded the bases as his one is prone to do in hitting a home run and kicked some dirt on the base and let the umpire know what he really thought of his call. You know, I, I love it uh, just because this is the this is how it was done a hundred years ago. This is how baseball was. If you were going to get thrown out for a game, you were kicking a bunch of you were covering the uh, the shoes of the umpire and you could do that well. Uh, go back out on the beach and take the sand and shove it onto someone. That's what you do here. It's old school baseball, especially after a home run. I love it. I, I thought I loved it too. I thought it was all. I actually thought it was all in good fun. I I was kind of disappointed they actually did eject him. I was like, ah, you know, he he didn't talk you up. He maybe showed you up a little bit, but we'd hear like you can't say so so and so to the umpire. So show him up a little bit, but got him heaved out of the game right after scoring home. Right after he's touched home plate. I had some people, or I saw some people say, what happens if you get ejected? Say you hit the home run, you run the bases, you get ejected before you touch home plate. That would be a, well, it doesn't count to you across home that's, plate. That's what I, I guess it's true. That, like if you got ejected, right? goes, like if, if you kick uh, dirt at second, you get ejected, you don't get the run. So you, you can mess that up. So at least make sure you touch home plate first. Then kick your uh, dirt. Then have some fun. Uh, let's talk about uh, the playoff bubble uh, that has been uh, approved. We've talked about it for a, a few times here, but just a, a little bit more of the details have come out. Uh, and again, playoff bubble means by this, uh, we're recording here on Sunday, uh, this afternoon uh, was when you had to have that 40-man roster finalized, your playoff roster, and all those players now need to go uh, into quarantine at this time to prepare for the playoff bubble. Those are going to be we California still, even with the wildfire and the air quality. And there's been Jesus Azardo complained about a game in Seattle where he's a 22 year old and he was sucking air. But California is still the the site that it's been all along. And even with the wildfires burning, which is you know prayers for prayers for that, they're still going to do the American League in California and the National League is going to be in Texas. And I believe they said the World Series will be in Arlington too. Yeah, this is a. Uh Hopefully, we're not in some sort of a situation as for uh, playoffs in terms of uh, some of the different uh, weather things that are going on uh, and wildfires and Hurricanes. much more important things than uh, baseball. Uh, than baseball by all means. But as far as planning this out, hoping that uh, happens without major hindrances uh, in that capacity. Part of that playoff restrictions can't we learned about this week as teams were getting ready to start clinching and we've had a number of teams no clinch bubbly now. 
no bubbles at all. You cannot spray alcohol around in the, we've seen, you see the videos for years, right? Players put on the goggles, they get their cool shirts and it's a party. You spray alcohol and champagne everywhere, but this year in Major League Baseball put a restriction, no play, no alcohol in baseball celebrations when you clinch. So apparently Corona is spread through champagne. It's, uh, I get it, the overabundance of caution, but you just want to hopefully have it where guys can celebrate in uh, uh, some sort of traditional fashion. I think that will get broken in the World Series, oh, but yeah. at least waiting till oh, that yeah. point. Uh, but for right now, it's the, the social distance celebrating uh, and, and trying to be safe about it as we move towards that uh, that time of year. I do want to say, we have we didn't talk about this, considering where we were six weeks ago or whatever it was when we sat here and we said, will this season even happen? It has changed drastically. We haven't even seen a positive case now in what, three weeks since there's been any positive cases, right? And let's put this in, in perspective that uh, – for example, the state of Wisconsin had uh, 2,000... 2,000 cases at least a couple times this week. So cases have been on the rise with uh, uh, maybe things through uh, Labor Day or schools uh, uh, returning and dealing with some of these issues of being around in closed spaces and uh, tight quarters. Uh, so again, all these things are happening all, all around. So for baseball to have been able to monitor this well, keep everyone doing the, the smart uh, safety procedures so you don't have any major issues because yeah we were at that one that the, the podcast that we talked about this where we were 50 50 on whether we thought mm-hmm. this the, the season was going to happen that was with looking at Twitter that morning and seeing uh, all like John Heyman and a bunch of the other guys saying I don't what do you put the the season percentage at for actually happening here uh, like if it, shutting down in the next two weeks. And there's people that are going much lower than 50 50 oh, yeah. uh, on oh. that happening. I thought it was good. I thought I didn't think it was going to make it, honestly. And the players tightened up, and it hasn't been perfect. I don't want to say it's been perfect. We've seen the, some of the restrictions have been broken, but we got to this point. So good for them. It's not often that I am willing to give Rob Manfred credit for anything, <laughs> uh, especially when he opens his mouth. Uh, but for this one, yes, yeah. you got it through, and you were the first sport. To get all the way through to this point, that had to do an entire season. Yes, an abbreviated season, but an entire season. Uh, those that went into the bubble for the NBA is a little bit different, and there's mm-hmm. already a format better for it, right? With playoffs and and things that were there, but to actually start to finish, do this when you had people that blew this at the beginning uh, to get there and hold down the fort, get things going within it. Uh, uh, compliments to uh, to him for successfully navigating through uh, the season to this point. Yeah, that was the, was the Marlins and the Cardinals right away broke protocol, and we thought, oh, boy, this is never going to work. And somehow it, the Cardinals, we didn't mention this, the Cardinals might actually end up only playing 58 games. If they have to, they'll play two next Monday. But otherwise, it, it's been as good as could have hoped for, considering how far behind the Cardinals were even making up games. Absolutely, the the double headers galore and uh, navigating through that pretty well. Um, is, but if I'm going to say something positive about Rob Manfred, then I'm I'm going to have to say something negative. So that That's gets fine. into the uh, expanded playoffs uh, that are in for this season. Uh, there was uh, talk from him this week saying he would love to see that uh, stay, wants to see that stay for uh, next year, and says owners would be all for it, and of course they would be because that's additional revenue, uh, TV deals, etc. that goes with it. I would at least say this, if they're going to entertain it, my number one reason against it is you devalue 
the marathon known as the 162-game season. The point is to outlast at the end of that. But if you're going to make the playoffs pretty much with a 500 record uh, at the end, and that's what we're seeing here, and I doubt that changes uh, for that 7th and 8th seed uh, in future seasons. So you're rewarding mediocrity. Mm -hmm. So if you were going to do that, uh, to me, you need to do it where let's fully change it up in terms of how we do the matchups. I think the division winners, based on uh, going in order of best record and, and working its way down, division winners should get a chance to pick their first-round opponent. Uh, because also, we're going to talk about it this time, there's some eight seeds right now that I would not be wanting to face in a three-game series uh, early on where the advantage is not in the favor of the the first seed. And the point is you should get the best matchup with that first seed. Well, either, so if you're going to do it, that's how I would do it. Yeah, well, you gotta, either got to do that or you got to do some type of a buy, right? Like like yep. we've seen buys in football, and actually they, they expanded their playoffs too, right, this year. So expanding playoffs is, like you said, it's all about making extra money. And so, of course, owners are going to love that idea. And so deep, all leagues want to do that. But – you have to have an advantage for finishing first. Right now, the Dodgers, with their extremely good record, and are going to get the opportunity to face possibly the Reds in a three-game series, and the Reds could win that very easily. So, yeah, I think it's probably going to happen. I think that expanded playoffs, at least, I don't know if they can do it next year, but when they redo the new, that's got to be something that's collectively bargained, right? It has to be. The only reason why I could see it happening still next year is that would be more additional revenue that would be put down to the back. players, yeah. uh, especially if you could be looking at a tighter uh, free agent market or other things. Any sort of additional revenue going on the players' way would be something that I think they would consider entertaining at this point, even without the collective bargaining being with it. It's possible, yeah. You're right. They might want some more money because that would get them more money too. But at some point, you know, it's got to be collectively bargained. And the only thing that I could see saying is, we, as you said, we don't need that, but... If we're going to get our full 162-game schedule where we get our full contracts, then you just want to keep your six teams. But it'll be something to see in the future. Absolutely. Let's talk milestones. We've had a couple of uh, of interesting ones. We've mentioned Albert Pujols in our Greatest of All Time series, uh, and uh, there was some cool milestones with him uh, as well. So Pujols, on, let's see here, today's Sunday, so it would have been Friday night, hit two home runs. Uh, to numbers 661 and 662, uh, both both against the Texas Rangers. And so in doing so, he became fifth most all-time on the home run rest. He's behind Barry Bonds, Hank Aaron, Babe Ruth, and A-Rod, past Willie Mays, sure ballot Hall of Famer. We've talked about it many times. And he said he got a call from Willie Mays, or actually I guess it was a text he got from Willie Mays, and that's awesome. That's really cool. That's really cool. Baseball still shows that it's a fraternity and – Everybody's pulling for everybody. Albert Pujols has made it that entire time and has never had a blip of steroids mentioned in his name. So one of the true true all-time greats. Absolutely. Uh, for the other, uh, this is more of a, it's not a milestone, but it is a, a stat within this year. Uh, and uh, this is one we'll, we'll talk about because it's definitely more unique. Uh, and for this one, I, I told Corey that I wanted to give him some mo some mood music for this one. I wanted to uh, uh, establish for this one. So as we uh, get uh, get started here, uh, I wanted to uh, give you some. You're going to hear this in the background, and uh, we got to set the stage uh, because uh, we're talking we're talking being saved. Okay, that's what we're doing right here. We need some Baptist music going on because we're going to talk about a team that has now broken the record or tied a long-standing record, I should say, 
for most diff- or different players with the save from one team. So we're at uh, uh, 13 different pitchers have gotten a save with the Tampa Bay Rays uh, this season. And even more remarkable to do that when you are at a 60-game uh, season versus a 162-game season. So this has never been done before. So they're feeling it. They're, they're feeling the save and spirit right now. And, and uh, I wanted to give you some mood music to go with it. Awesome. So they're at... 54 games. They've won 35. So I don't know how many save opportunities they've had. I'd have to look it up. I did not do that. But in 35 games to get 13 different players to have a save just shows that Kevin Cash is a madman who truly does just do what he practice, what he preach and play the play the matchups if he thinks that that's going to work. And Nick Anderson's great. And Diego Castillo is very good. And they have excellent relief pitchers. But they just play the matchups, and it it works. Obviously, they got the best record in the American League. Yeah, this isn't like a team that uh, is trying to patchwork things together nope. in, a, in a bullpen. They have one of the top five best relievers in baseball. Uh, they have uh, others that are at least in the top uh, 20, 25 consideration uh, to go with it. Diego Castillo is, is straight filthy when uh, when he's not nibbling at the plate Chaz too Rowe, much. They, they've, Oliver uh, Drake, oh, those guys are hurt, aren't they? Are those uh, guys hurt? Rowe right is, but Drake is back now. Is he? Uh, and there's there's other pitchers that are that are doing well, but others they put into bigger roles, even with the injuries they've sustained. Some of these other guys are coming up and, and getting these save opportunities. They believe in matchup baseball, uh, and uh, no one does it better, uh, as evidenced by 13 saves. Uh, with different pitchers. Again, normally you think 13 pitchers is a full... As I say, are they, how many... So, because they're still at the expanded rosters. We didn't go yeah, down. So how yeah. many pitchers do they, are they carrying? Do you know how many pitchers they're carrying? Uh, offhand, I, I don't, but usually they're right around 15. That's uh, a lot. So, and, uh, and with the three out minimum rule, right? Correct. We thought that was going to be a big cheap thing. Ones. You can't get cheap ones anymore. So... They're, they're figuring out how would you like to be one of those guys? I think there's, I saw something where they've only had two or three guys not get a save from you have to be like, come on, man. Next we're man up. A, come where's on. Where's my chance? Where's my chance, Kev? Let's like, break this record. That's right. That one Send more me week. out there. That's good for them. Let's talk about another milestone here. Let's talk about Garrett Crochet. Garrett Crochet. I don't know if we ever mentioned him back in my, my, our draft preview prod, podcast, but uh fireballer from the university of Tennessee just got drafted number 11 overall this May, and he's the first pitcher to not pitch in the minors since Mike Leake. So there is no minor league season. He has no minor league experience because that hasn't happened, but he got called up to pitch the other night to the big leagues and was excellent. He pitched the sixth inning. Uh, I believe he threw six pitches over 100 miles an hour and in doing so struck out the side, and the White Sox are a really good team. And I would not be shocked if you don't see Garrett Crochet pitching some postseason innings and really bringing that fastball because he's going to be just dominant out of that bullpen. It's still wild to see someone come up that fast. I mean, the uh, David Price is the last guy I can think of who had very minimal uh, minor league time and very and, and minimal in the the majors, and then was getting being tasked with closing out Game Seven of the ALCS uh, versus the Boston Red Sox back in two thousand and eight. You have but to be he special. still had mm-hmm. number one. You're right. You have to be special. That that's number one. But number two, even David Price didn't do this. Uh, so this is a a very unique circumstance, and uh, also the White Sox being smart. When you know you have a guy that's special, there's also not a book on him. Uh, so this is a chance to bring him in to get some uh, uh, some additional outs when pitchers don't know, or excuse me, batters don't know who they're facing. 
the, the crochet, I, I said, I don't think I actually talked about Garrett Crochet. He gets compared all the time to Chris Sale, who was all drafted by the White Sox also because he's left-handed and he throws very hard. If you remember Chris Sale, he came up and pitched initially out of the bullpen for a while for one season before transitioning to the starting rotation and being an all-star starter. And I Garrett Crochet will probably pitch out of the bullpen for this year and at least the end of this year and Possibly next year already. If he shows he can do it, why would you ever – if there is a minor league season and he's already shown he can pitch in the majors, you're not going to send him down there. Absolutely. And eventually the plan is to get him into that rotation, and he'll be very good, I think. So in a, uh, a fantastic start uh, for uh, Roche, and uh, now we can talk about uh, those that are uh, on a heater. Uh, and you have first for a player, I see Gerald Walsh. Yeah, Jared Walsh. Jared Walsh. Uh Houston, or sorry, Los Angeles Angels, and I did not know much about Jared Walsh, but then I watched him play. He hit six home runs in seven games, and he was a run scored, so last night he missed the run scored. He got the RBI, but if he would have had a run scored, he would have set a record for the most consecutive games with both a run and an RBI. he had it in, he would have been the first one to have it in nine straight. So we got to eight straight games with a run and an RBI. And at one point, yeah, home runs in four straight and six of seven. So the Angels maybe found their first baseman, the future kind of a quad A guy until this year. But when you're hitting 319, ask, what's his, what's his age? What's his background? Uh, uh, this is my first time uh, hearing, uh, hearing him. And those are impressive stats, no matter what your, uh, he's from Milwaukee. Uh, accolades are. Well, he's there born you go. in Milwaukee, 1993. So that makes him 27. 27 years old, 39th round pick in 2015, definitely not a touted prospect, got up a little bit at the end of last year, hit 203 with one home run and five RBIs, but so far this year he's got 69 at-bats, seven home runs, 19 RBIs, and hitting 319. Maybe it's just a heater, but at least when you hit play like that, you certainly get another chance to prove it hopefully next year. It uh, buys you time on that runway to uh, see what your major league career uh, can be. But at this point, at least enjoy uh, enjoy the heater. Uh, as good as Jared Walsh has been playing first base for the Angels, I'm going to talk about another first baseman who's been on a heater, who I don't believe we've referenced, even when we talked about MVP awards. And I think he should get some love for the NL MVP. Have you seen what Freddie Freeman's really done this year? He has, like I said, just the, the COVID start... Uh, and he hit among the hardest of any mm-hmm. professional athlete. Uh, and so he was wiped. The Rays played uh, the Braves early in the season, and they got his first, like, two games back. He did hit a home run in one of those games, but you could tell, like, he was a, uh, a shell of himself uh, strength-wise. But, man, has he turned it on. Yeah, we, he, we really should have at least mentioned him for a possible for NL MVP because at this point he now leads the National League in doubles. He has 20 doubles. He leads the National League in RBIs with 48. He's hitting the National League leading 349 with a National League leading 461 on base percentage. So if you're leading wow. in batting average, on base percentage, RBIs, he at least he's two thirds of the way to the triple crown, right? So if he's not getting some love, and Freddie Freeman's an excellent player, all star many times over, and I think he deserves some at least love for possibly an MVP award this year. First one he would have. You would have to consider it, especially when you remember that the offense has to carry this team, and they have. Uh, and at the very heart of that uh, is Freeman and Ozuna. And uh, Freeman is uh, has always had the numbers, has always been the face of this franchise, and coming back as strong as he has, 
Because we keep asking each week, how are the Braves still doing this? They lose more pitchers. You look at how only one guy is even pitching with a decent ERA. The rest of the rotation is not. And you're asking, how are they doing this? Well, Freddie Freeman is how they're doing this. Marcelo Zuna is how they're doing this. But you need big bats. You can't just have a good offense. You have to have Yankee-esque offense to drive this, and Freeman is. He is the conductor of, of this uh, of this train and uh, definitely deserving of MVP consideration. I hope he gets it because he's 30 years old now, and he's certainly been close. He got to fourth that one year. We had 44 doubles and hit 309, and it would be – I don't want to say it would be a career because I don't think Freddie Freeman's career is done. Like, I think Freddie Freeman could be one of the best first basemen in the National League for half a dozen more years, and no one would be surprised at all. But Fernando Tatis – I feel like Fernando Tatis is going to get another chance, right? And he's been – I don't know if you've seen Fernando Tatis. He's been quite cold recently. He's kind of dropped off a little bit. So I think Freddie Freeman deserves an MVP. Especially in a shortened season like this, it's all about who gets hot last. It's a what-have-you-done-for-me-lately uh, and as much as it's supposed to be a regular season award, uh, that first round of the playoffs or so, if you're getting hot, you're going to get noticed, you're on the primetime stage, and that always helps for who wins it at the end. So Freddie Freeman gets hot this week, especially when there's a big series that we're going to talk about later. This is a statement week for any team. As the, While the American League may already have their... Uh, playoff teams pretty much identified, you're still positioning yourself. You're trying to get the matchup you want, or how is that going to work? Who's getting home, uh, playing home at first? Who's not? Uh, in the National League, it's up for grabs. There's so much that's there in the final week. This is statement week. Uh, and if you have a big week here, it will get known. Uh, and that always helps for these types of awards. So Freddie Freeman has himself a statement week this week. Uh, that will definitely you will hear a larger uptick uh, in uh, MVP whispers that will come up to a full-fledged roar. I know we've talked MVP a couple times, and we talked Tatis and Harper and Soto. At this point, I think it's it really should be a two-person race, and it's Freddie Freeman and Mookie Betts is what it should be down to. And we both picked Mookie Betts early in the year, but at this point, it really should just be a two-person race between those two. Tatis has dropped off. Actually, Manny Machado, maybe it deserves more votes at this point than Fernando Tatis because he's kind of going to carry in the Padres. But the National League race is still wide open. And the American League, I, I feel very confident my Jose Abreu pick up a few weeks ago now. He's still hitting. Yeah, they've, well, they're the biggest surprise that has followed through. We, and we mentioned uh, uh, possible playoff contention. Like, Are they ready? And, and we said, yeah, we see them as a wild card team. Uh, they've been that and then some. Mm-hmm. And uh, Abreu has been uh, shining the brightest here. And, uh, uh, he's starting, in my opinion, he's starting to run away mm-hmm. uh, with that award. Let's look at, uh, we've looked at players on, on a heater. Let's look at teams that are on a heater, and there's three that I want to mention. Uh, first one we highlighted last week as part of the uh, uh, our series, or matchup of the week, uh, and that's when we were looking when the, uh, the Padres had rattled off six or seven straight wins. They were only a game and a half back of the Dodgers. You had the three-game series uh, against the Dodgers. Here's a chance to potentially pass them, and the Dodgers have responded well. Uh, it's now a five-game lead, uh, at least coming into today. I didn't see the, the full update there. I guess I should look. It's four it is games four. right it now. Is it's four. four. The Dodgers lost today. Uh, but it won. was a definite statement week for them, as I keep talking about that, uh, with those big series. That was a, a big one to show that they're still uh, the top of that division. And uh, 
Uh, they just about, with that week, just about have this wrapped up, barring a uh, final week collapse. Uh, you're looking at uh, the the Dodgers leading that division when it was awfully close a week ago. And the first, you mentioned, I know the, the matchup of the week, the pitcher matchup was Lamette Kershaw, and that was the first game, and the Dodgers, or the Padres took that one. Yep. Lamette beat them, and then Lamette you were thinking, it. You were thinking, do they have this? And then the Dodgers went out and showed the depth of the Dodgers is still extremely strong. So Gonsolin was dominant in game two. He was great again today, even though the Dodgers lost. And then I think they did a bullpen day, if I'm not mistaken, the third day and still beat the Padres. So the the Dodgers are still the class of the National League. The Padres are very good. They're probably ahead of where we thought they'd be at this point, but the Dodgers are the class of the National League. And a team that's trying to take the, themselves back into that class consideration is the New York Yankees, who, as we mentioned, have just gone off. Uh, ten straight wins before losing today. Uh, and a, a team that is now, like, it was getting to the point that they were going to be like the seventh or eighth seed. Like, they were, for at least a day, they were passed by the Toronto Blue Jays. They were 500. Uh, they yeah. fell to 500, and then they won ten straight. <laughs> and uh, now you have, uh, again, They've said it all along. Just what the they need the offense to get healthy. That's been the problem all season long. Well, now you got the big boppers back. Now it's there, and they have gone off uh, to be the the type of team that you expect out of the the pinstripes. And uh, now it's a. Uh, I'm glad they won that much. I said it off air before uh, that. Uh, as much as the Rays have owned the Yankees uh, this year. I don't want to face the Yankees in a three-game series. I don't like with Garrett Cole being at the top of it and that offense. Uh, I want to face the Yankees over five games or seven games. That that I am uh, I want to do. The three-game series is, is fluky, and I don't like that matchup. So uh, for the Yankees no longer being at the eighth spot, which it was a week ago, and that would have been the, the Rays-Yankees for that first round, uh, now that's becoming out of consideration at this point with this type of uh, hot stretch. Uh, but yeah, the Yankees have responded with 10 straight uh, before losing today and uh, looking to be the team that uh, the offense that everyone expected that they would fear. Other than, I mean, they, these games weren't even close either. Like they, Monday, against, especially against the Blue Jays, right? It was 20 to 6, 13 to 2, and 10 to 7. Like if you're putting up double digit scores against teams routinely, that's impressive. And, Six to five, they beat the Red Sox eight to nothing, and then you said mentioned today they got beat two to ten by Tanner Houck, which was I complained about him before the podcast about my fantasy team. But uh, the Yankees have been very good. They're going to be, I think they're either four or five right now as a seed, and that's the matchup that's going to be interesting to watch that I'll talk about later. And the final uh, team that I wanted to mention here that we have been waiting all season long to show up. The Cincinnati Reds are 8-2 and two in their last 10 games. They are now uh, within a half game of a playoff spot or right there. Uh, so that's the team that we expected would be the class of the NL Central and has not been there uh, at all. Uh, so uh, Reds, 8-2. and two. So they did get three against the Pirates, which is I should mention that I have that soon, the Pirates positive. So they took the three against the Pirates, which is what they should do. They're expected to beat the Pirates, and then they got a test. They took two or three the last few days out of the White Sox, and the White Sox at this point are one of the best four or five teams in the game, no matter how you look at it. The pitching is it's showing up as it needed to the whole season. Uh, Luis Castillo has pitched awesome, but the, the numbers weren't there until the last couple starts, really, and now they have been. And Bowers has given up a few home runs recently, but pitched well. Sonny Gray is back. 
Wade Miley, Tyler Maley. This is a team that has deep pitching. The type of team that, once again, in a short season, in a short series, even in a regular series, you don't want to face these. They have three pitchers that can take you deep. So the Reds, if they get in the postseason, all you have to do is get there. Because when you have three legitimate aces, you can win anything. Just ask the Washington Nationals last season. Excellent case in point uh, for recent history of where this matters. So uh, does it matter? Does it matter just to get in? If you're an eighth seed, can that mean something? Absolutely it can. You just have to get there and whoever gets hot. And uh, when you already have the uh, uh, the arsenal available for if they get hot, you have the talent there to match that. Uh, like I said, they're going to be an interesting team if they time this out right. There's one more week to go. This can be one of the things we'll talk about is the what to watch for in the final week. Uh, Cincinnati Reds definitely on a heater. Uh, well, coming up next, we are going to uh, put on our GM hats before we start looking at the uh, oh, the playoff chase. We missed one part of news. Oh, we did? Ron Gardenhire. Yes, Ron thank Gardenhire. you. So I'm assuming you've met Ron Gardenhire. Okay, I suppose I will share this story. I assume you've uh, met him. I will share this story on air. Yes, I have met uh, Ron Gardenhire. Uh, as a when back when he was the manager of the Minnesota Twins, uh, covered the Minnesota Twins for three seasons, uh, and I had numerous interviews with Ron Gardenhire, all interesting. Uh, but in honor of his retirement, uh, I'm going to share the story of how I went on a beer run. Nice for Ron Gardenhire. That's awesome. Uh, each year, every team does this for building up community awareness as they get ready for the season to start. Uh, they have their winter caravan. And teams will go around to all their different radio affiliate uh, locations, towns, uh, and they will stop by the the local schools as a way of uh, meeting the, the the kids in the community. Uh, and then the local media has a chance for one easy one on ones with uh, whoever is on that that caravan at that time, uh, from players, coaches, etc. And so there's always a couple of media members that arrange that. And, and so they awesome. do all the, all these types of things. And uh, so it's always a neat opportunity. So uh, Twins Caravan comes to uh, New Ulm, Minnesota, and that's where, where I was, and uh, uh, in the booming metropolis of uh, New Ulm, Minnesota. And uh, as they the players that were going to be there uh, was, I think, Juan Rincon. Uh, I'm forgetting. the, the there's one more pitcher that was a side armor. Uh, Pat Neshek. Nice. Uh, and Ron Gardenhire was on this list. Uh, This was back when the the 2010 era of the Minnesota Twins was getting ready to be broken up. Uh, Johan Santana was getting ready to be traded. Uh, The the breakup of that that big team, Torrey Hunter was going to leave in free agency. It was at that point. And uh, so the questions that I asked him was, uh, especially since I knew uh, that he was an Army brat, uh, he knew of New Orleans, Minnesota when I had interviewed him before. He also knew of the microbrewery uh, that was in <laughs> New Orleans, Minnesota. What they're famous uh, and for. And so when I asked him, uh, again, what's, uh, when you're getting ready to sit down to watch a movie game or a baseball of choice, uh, or a baseball game, what's your beverage of choice? And he said, Mick Gold Light or mm-hmm. Shells. And that Shells Brewery is the second or third uh, oldest family-owned brewery in the country. It's awesome. uh, located in New Orleans, Minnesota. Uh, and uh, I can still have access to it. It's at, at the, in Reedsburg. You can get it at the Viking. Really? Uh, so it, you can still get some uh, some shells here. So I can still sponsor the uh, podcast, uh, right? <laughs> uh, but uh, so when so after hearing that from uh, Garden Hire at this uh, 
school, uh, I'd tell him uh, to keep things light. I said, around here, folks don't really care if you're going to trade Johan Santana, but they do want to know if you've been on a Shell's Brewery tour yet. Uh, and uh, I got him to do, do a liner for the, the show saying, uh, uh, this is Ron Garnheyer, manager of the Minnesota Twins. These guys are really worth listening to, especially with the six-pack of Shells. That's awesome. You're listening to the Average Joe Sports Show. I love it. Uh, and uh, I got him on enough of a Shells kick that day that he told the Twins Caravan people to go find him some shells for the bus ride back because they took the big team bus to go sure. do all these things. Sure. Well, uh, in Little New Alm, it took them like three or four times to circle the school to find a place to park this thing. They have no idea where the local grocery store is, and I saw the panicked look on their faces, so I just said, hey, my car is right over here. I'll take you to, I'll take you to it. I'll take you to the cash-wise. Awesome. We can get it covered. And uh, so, yes, I went on a beer run with Ron, with Ron Gardner. Gardner. I don't have any cool stories like that. All I know is <laughs> when the Brewers hired Craig Council, what are we at, half a dozen years ago or whatever that is now, I there, the rumor was that they were interested in Ron Gardner, and I was going to be super excited. And Council's been fine, I guess. Uh, I'm not going to get into that. But I really like Ron Gardner as a manager. All the Twins years, Old he's been a manager. winner. He's been a winner. He was always a winner. He's done a great job. I think he's only been with the Tigers. This is his first year with the Tigers, I think. Maybe two, but he's done a great job. The Tigers were much more competitive than I think we thought they'd be. He stepped away for his family. He's had some health concerns, wanted to spend time with his family, his grandkids. You do you, man. Absolutely do that. Lloyd McClendon stepping in, and we'll see if the Tigers go with Lloyd McClendon next year. He's another old-school manager who's been with the Pirates for a while, so seems to be a good, likely good replacement and we'll see where they go for there but congratulations Ron Gardner I hope you have a great rest of your life if you never coach again yeah great guy to uh to, to interview and uh the uh the fun question I always got to ask I'll, I'll end it on this one uh if uh relief pitchers get synonymous with different songs right we're used to the the entrance music mm-hmm. and uh when you hear uh Enter Sandman by Metallica. It was Mariano Rivera. When you heard uh, ACDC's Hell's Bells, you knew it was uh, Trevor Hoffman. Like, different players become synonymous with different songs. With that being the case, what would be the worst song for a relief pitcher or closer to walk out to? And uh, there were some interesting picks that I had a a chance to to hear. Uh, Puff the Magic Dragon is uh, what Ron Garnheyer said. So Interesting. On that one. Congrats to Ron Garnheyer. Ron Gardenhire for a fantastic years. career. This was his third year, though. That's hard to believe. But, man, he's, he's already turned him around a little bit. They were 47 and 114 last year at 292 winning percentage. He's got him to 420 already this year. So, hey, turning it around. Ron Gardenhire, an excellent manager, but, like you said, better guy, it sounds like, and best of luck to you. I'll have a sh- I will have a shells for him. There you go. So, coming up next, we're going to put on our GM hats. Stick around. Cut my ink. Your eggs are cut, sir. Cut my milk! I can't, sir. It's liquid. Imbecile! Freeze it, then cut it. You! Bring me the Wall Street Journal. You two, fight to the death. You are a madman. I want to party with you, cowboy. Now, you kids with your loud music and your Dan Fogelberg, your Zima, Hula Hoops, and Pac-Man video games, don't you see? People today have attention spans that can only be measured in nanoseconds. <laughs> be honest with you, I love his music. I do. I'm a Michael Fulton fan. Yes! That's awesome! So before we begin our uh, playoff focus, 
Uh, we're going to take this opportunity to ask, uh, the question is one AL team, one NL team of the non-contenders this year. Who's the one team that you would want to be a GM for as part of a, a turnaround? Who do you think is set up to make that one-year turnaround the best? So I will start with my, let's do the AL first. Let us start with the American League. I'm going to take a surprising one, I think. I'm not sure they're going to make the playoffs next year just because of the fact they play in the AL Central, but I do like what Kansas City has been doing. I really like what the Kansas City Royals have done with their roster. I don't know if I've mentioned this a couple times, but Whit Merrifield is a fine player. You're going to keep Whit Merrifield. Adalberto Mondesi, I said, I love the skill set. I really think it's an incredible skill set. I'd love the guy to take a walk, but even if he doesn't, you're going to love that, right? Salvador Perez is hitting like an, one of the best catchers in the game, as he's been before. Uh, they take some young players. They have young players a lot. Hunter Dozier's a young player. Nicky Lopez is a young player. And a lot of their young pitchers, Chris Bubik and Brady Singer's been awesome the last couple weeks. And then you look at their minor league system, and it's Bobby Witt is one of the best shortstop prospects in the game. And then Asa Lacey and Daniel Lynch, Jackson Coworth, they have great young pitching prospects. And that's what you want, pitching prospects. You can never have enough pitchers. So I'm not saying Kansas City is going to compete next year against the White Sox and the Twins or the Indians. Those are really good teams. But this is a team. This is a rebuild very much like what the San Diego Padres did. You get a lot of young pitchers. You save some money. Maybe I don't know if they'll go and sign a Manny Machado-level player. They probably don't have that type of money to do that at some point. But a couple of free agent signings that are good enough for them, and this team could turn it around really quick and get back. We're not that far removed from them being very competitive going to back-to-back World Series. And they did it that time. They did it with bullpen pitching then, and I think they could do it again. Get some good pitchers and see what they can do. I think Kansas City's goal in this next year is to be what Detroit is this year, uh, where you're seeing guys that are already at the uh, big prospects making their way to the major league level. Uh, you are having a, a farm system that is still has more talent on the way. Uh, you want to try to do some a couple of key signings to help supplement and augment that talent. Uh, but that's my pick, actually. I'm staying in the AL Central, uh, and it's the Detroit Tigers. Uh, I love their pitching prospects. Same thing, young pitching. Uh, it's when you have uh, Mizey, Manning, Turnbull. Scooble. Uh, Scooble, thank you. And uh, uh, it's Boyd is fixable. Uh, I, I know there's issues going on there. Not, it's not a Robbie He's Ray not. situation. Uh, I knew you were going to go there before before he even said it. Uh, his issue is in sequencing, and it's in the manner in which he uses his pitches. The, the stuff is there. Uh, I think sometimes he, he might have lost his confidence a little bit as, as the way this has gone. Whether or not that can happen there or whether he needs to be traded for a uh, fresh scenery, uh, I think he is he is fixable. Uh, in what he is still capable of doing, because he's shown flashes all year long. Uh, with uh, Robbie Ray, the wheels completely came off uh, with him. Uh, but the point is also the first overall pick. Uh, Torkelson, uh, Spencer Torkelson. Yeah, uh, someone that should be up as uh, a premier first baseman in the very short-term uh, future here. I like what they have. Again, it, it all begins with pitching. You need top-of-the-rotation prospect arms. Uh, that's what can change the things with it. And this is a team that, unlike Kansas City, has deep pockets. So you get ready to compete. You have enough talent there. They will go out and spend. Uh, and uh, so I, w- I would like them in the American League. I think if you're going to look at most prospect ranking websites, I 
Detroit's usually ranked, if not at the top, they're usually within the top two or three. They're usually going to be ahead of Kansas City just because, as you mentioned, some of their guys are a little further along. Matt Manning has proven he's hurt right now. He's not going to pitch this year, but Casey Mize is up in the big leagues, and he's had limited success so far, but Casey Mize's skill set's good enough that it's going to be great someday. Matt Manning, Tariq Skubal, they have, yeah, you mentioned, the young pitchers, and Torkelson's going to be great too. So, yeah, I certainly understand where you're coming with in De- Detroit. My National League, I found the National League harder than the American League when I sat down and did this. Yeah. And I'm going to go with a different type of a rebuild of more of a, not necessarily young players. I still don't think Washington is that bad. I really don't think the Washington Nationals are going to go from being the World Series champions. They're going to finish likely last this year. I don't think that this is a team that's just suddenly done. Max Scherzer is a Hall of Fame pitcher. I think he's got at least one or two more good years in him. Patrick Corbin, really good. I still have hope that Steven Strasburg can stay healthy at some point, healthy-ish enough, maybe not completely healthy, but healthy enough. And you have one of the best young outfielders in the game, right? Juan Soto is tracking to be a Hall of Famer if he keeps it up. So some of those guys, Trey Turner, Kurt Suzuki, you get Carter Keyboom, Victor Robles. They have young players. They just haven't worked so far this year. And maybe it's just a weird year and they'll turn it around next year. But they're, they've shown they're willing to spend money. We know they're willing to spend money. They did it to sign all those pitchers. So I'm going to go with the Washington Nationals as turning it around. And I do. I think they could compete to be back in the playoffs next year. They were one of two teams that I had written down here. I was going to take whichever one you didn't. Uh, but the reason why I had Washington here was, again, you, you need your building blocks. That's always what you're looking for for, for being able to compete. You need your uh, ace of the rotation. You need your uh, MVP caliber position player. Those are the, the, the things you look for. Washington has it. Other teams search for decades trying to find this, and maybe you get one. Mm-hmm. You rarely ever get both, and when you have it, you can usually do a lot with it. Max Scherzer and Juan Soto, I don't know if you could ask for a much better pairing uh, of what you could try to build a team with that one's in the complete early prime of his career, uh, still, still so young, uh, in Juan Soto. Uh, and Max Scherzer still is not, uh, uh, he's not that old uh, by all means. He's a grizzled veteran, but he still has plenty of uh, easily two to three seasons of high-level production. Right? Yes, like, he's, he's dominant still. So that's a team, and also with the pockets being there, makes complete sense. My team that I'm going to go with, because I believe it does start at the top, uh, this isn't a traditional rebuild. Uh, this would be a, I want a GM in there who knows how to evaluate the talent here and to put it all together, the New York Mets. Washington slash New York Mets. You said you had yep. two? I had two. Yep. Mine two are the Washington and the Mets. So we, you're simpatico on this one, buddy. N- new ownership is going to mean spending money in all sorts of different ways. It's going to be the international market. Uh, it's going to be in uh, draft. It's going to be in free agency. But to me, they have more position players than they know what to do with. This is a hodgepodge uh, uh, team uh, that has good players on it, but it's not a good team. And, and I think for this one, number one, get rid of the uh, agent-turned-GM. It hasn't worked. Uh, after two years... Uh, there's been enough red flags. Normally you try to give someone a little more time than that. You're already changing things at the top. Bring in your guys. Spend whatever you need to get a very good player uh, development person at the top of this uh, franchise in this front office and trade the pl- uh, some players that you can. There's tons of players that have value here. 
You need to find a little more pitching. You need a little more injury luck. I mean, you have Jake DeGrom at the top of your rotation. Uh, you have... Uh, I mean, when he comes back, you have uh, you have no, four. Noah uh, four. Syndergaard, Syndergaard, right? That's, right? What, that's, so uh, that's where I was going to go with, with the Mets was you have Jacob DeGrom and Noah Syndergaard. Marcus Stroman opted out. As far as I know, he's still under contract next year. Uh, Seth Lugo, they moved him to the rotation, and he's been very good, as he's always been very good in the bullpen. And Steven Matz, Rick Barcella, whatever you're going to do, they should have a very deep rotation. That's that's what I would say. Now, we've compl- talked about how – pathetic their bullpen has been for much of this podcast and but with better front office the race have done it year in year out you can rebuild a uh, bullpen in a, in a year plug it together right you, you find a way like Especially life finds a way money. in the bullpen right and they have money to spend so and they've showed we're willing to spend it they they made some strange moves over the years but i like their lineup still i still think there's very good players pete alonzo has been frigid yes. this year but jeff mcneil's really good and michael conforto and brandon nemo so there's players on that team that they should be competitive. That the AL East is, or sorry, the NL East, top to bottom now should be really, really strong for the next three, five, three to five years because the Marlins have proven they're here to stay now. It's going to be a, an interesting division to to watch. That always factors into what teams you take. But uh, yeah, I, I would like the uh, the Mets uh, to see what can be done with someone competent uh, at the at the top. Can I ask you a question? Yeah. Did you have two AL teams? I did not. I only had oh. the had the one there. If I was going to pick a uh, a second AL team that I would have uh, considered, uh, you got again. I I'll the criteria I gave before it all is about: Do you have the uh, Cy Young level or top of the line talent at the top? Give me the Angels. Ooh, Mike Trout. I mean, uh, I've, I talked. No one's been able to do it yet. I talked uh, up the Angels all year, right? So I I thought the Angels would be good. I here's my rebuilding team in the American League. I said the Boston Red Sox. I really Chris Sale comes back, right? Chris Sale's you know. gone. You hope that Eduardo Rodriguez figures out his heart issues and comes back and they at least start because it's been the pitching is just horrendously bad. So you gotta hope that you get some of those guys back. Uh, Zach Godley, and then you just hope that your young studs figure keep hitting, right? Devers and Bogarts and Verdugo, they take a step forward and you see where you're at. But I think the Boston Red Sox are not well, they're not that far away from competing again either. Let's understand why they did what they did. Uh, the reason why they've gone gone under a rebuild was from a multiple level standpoint. Number one, uh, at once Chris Sale went down, that changed uh, dramatically the acceleration of the rebuilding project. But the other reason why this happened is they wanted to get under the luxury tax to reset it. Again, for anyone that doesn't follow this stuff too closely, uh, there's the repeater penalty for going over the luxury tax, and it gets more substantial after a few years of doing that. The Yankees did that not that long ago, too, where they got themselves back under it, Mm -hmm. and then they went out and spent and got Garrett Cole afterwards. Uh, You're at like a 40% tax Mm -hmm. uh, when you're at that level of a repeater uh, penalty. So Boston now is underneath that. So now there's money to spend without worrying about the repeater tax uh, for a number of seasons now. So you have the financial wherewithal to start making moves. You have some young talent to work with. You have an ace coming back who's under uh, still a, a good contract overall. There's players that you can build with there. I, I also agree with your Angels pick, right? I've said the Angels have been a team that I've liked all along. You have Two MVP caliber hitters on that team and Anthony Rendon and Mike Trout in the middle of your lineup. So if you put two guys like that and 
Shohei Otani and Dylan Bundy, and maybe Shohei Otani can pitch good and throw a strike, and so then you're, yeah, you, that, that's a team that could turn it around quickly too. Let's talk about uh, baseball's best one-run teams this year. There's three teams that have stood out. Uh, two, uh, I think you said one of these teams just doesn't belong here, uh, but there's three teams, uh, and it's the Tampa Bay Rays, the Milwaukee Brewers, and the Atlanta Braves. The Rays were 12-4 and four in one-run games uh, this year. This year, so far, with one week to go, the Milwaukee Brewers ten and five, and the Atlanta Braves nine and six. So one run games are they're always a little fluky. You're going to play correct. Th- those are over the course of a year, a full year, or even a couple years. You might get a year like a twelve and four stretch like that, but over the course of a while, it will revert to the mean, and you'll go back roughly to five hundred. So. You take advantage of the good years, right? And you win games that you can, but it will not last like that. That means they're probably going to have a cold stretch at some point. So the Rays, we talked about it. They've mixed and matched their bullpen, and it's clearly worked. They're winning close games. That's There's a reason they're now the best record in the American League. The bullpen is their forte. They've done it a number of years. They rebuild it, tear it down, bring it back, and bring all new people in, and they still find a way to keep it going. Uh, so that's sustainable. It has been for multiple seasons now. Uh, the Milwaukee Brewers makes sense when you understand if you want a lockdown bullpen, you need a shutdown ninth inning guy and you need a shutdown eighth inning guy. The Brewers have that now. Debbie Williams has been uh, he, he should uh, really get a some wonderful of emergence. Yes. He really should get some yes. rookie of your votes for how good he's been. Uh, nobody gets on base against him hardly ever. He strikes out guys. The chain, He's got the best changeup in baseball. There's really no denying it at this point. Nobody hits it. He falls behind in the count. He'll throw it, which almost never happens when you throw 97 like he does, but he throws that changeup and it's it's unhittable. So that's how the Brewers are on that list with the one-run games. Is like you said, you have Hader and Devin Williams that you can count on the fact that you should be, you have a lead going through seven. You should be feel confident that you're going to win. And the Braves... That's the more interesting one. Yeah, the the Bra- the Braves end up on these lists that are just really hard to explain because the Braves they spent money on their bullpen. I talked about how I disliked their contract uh, giving given to Will Smith, and I it's working, I guess. But it's he's not even closing games for them. Yeah, I haven't, I haven't seen his uh, his numbers for. Uh, I know he was injured for a while. Yeah, he was, uh, and so. They've made do. Their bullpen is filled in by guys. They're right now, Mark Melanthacone is closing, and they have Shane Green. I actually don't think – is Will Smith playing? Oh, yeah, he's in there. He's playing. How is he pitching for him? Mm. I'm trying to pull it up, too, here. 13 innings. He's 2-1. and one. He has a 485 ERA with a 470 XFP. See, that's why you don't give big – although he's – wow, Andy's getting lucky. He's got a 138 BABIP. Wow. Oh, he's got a 30% home run rate. But anyways, long story short, that's why you don't give big money to relief pitchers because you can figure it out now. I don't quite understand how the Braves have done it. I'm sure this is just probably good management as usual, but Mark Melancone's been a good closer for them. They play a lot of close games. I say Mark Melancone's been been good, but also this one is going to be less pitching-driven and more Mm -hmm. hitting-driven. When you have an offense like this, you can have a chance to pull through in these later games even when your pitching is, uh, is not so good. Uh, so I think it's the Atlanta Brave offense that is driving their record in one-run games right now. And and you hope it keeps going for you, right? So at least two of those teams are going to make the playoffs. Tampa Bay and Atlanta are going to make the playoffs. The Brewers are essentially in a three-way dead tie for the last wild-card spot. 
and will probably actually, if I had to pick one, I think they'd move ahead of the Phillies who are actually higher up on that list right now. But the Brewers may make the playoffs. And if you have a lead where, you, I said, you feel confident after seven innings and in the Braves, in the Rays case, it's maybe six innings because they feel so good about the way they can mix and match it, then that's what you want at this time of the year. Shorten the games. At the That's going to lead into, uh, as we're talking about uh, offense uh, with uh, the Braves and the ability to, to get through in the one run games. What are we what are we watching for in this final week? Uh as they try to uh, navigate it as the Brewers are in a uh, the three game tie for that last spot. We know that the Phillies are damaged goods right now. Uh when you have uh, back injury to uh, Bryce Harper and wondering what that's all going to uh, to mean. JT Realmuto is now uh, uh dinged up. Uh Rice Hoskins just went on the IL. Uh that's a lot to sustain for to try to withstand for a team that has been just trying to rally back into things. Uh, that makes that playoff spot tenuous. That gives, again, more hope for the Milwaukee Brewers. It's always been, well, one more week, one more week. Well, we're, this is it. It's either now or, or never. Uh, and now you have the Cincinnati Reds creeping up into this. Uh, and so you have that three-way chase for the baseball's final spot. So... The, the Phillies play the Nationals and the Rays this week, which is not a great schedule for you if you're trying to win games. So right now, the, the real chase is the National League wild card. I suppose you could say this, the final spot in the Central too, but the, the Phillies are 27 and 26. That's the good for the top wild card right now. And then you have three teams that are tied at 500. The Reds are 27 and 27. The Brewers are 26 and 26. And San Francisco is also 26 and 26. San Francisco is one that we probably have yes, not talked about enough. we keep overlooking them because we keep thinking that they won't stay there, and yet they've managed to do that. Yeah. Uh, they've had just enough. They didn't trade. Uh, they've had that uh, uh, that rental pitching. Uh, Kevin Gaussman, we mentioned him at the, at the trading deadline, uh, but when they were still playing better, or at least playing enough to stay close enough to contention, you, we wondered if they would trade anyone, and they really didn't. In fact, I think they added a uh, small reliever. I don't remember exactly what, what happened there, but uh, they added, not subtracted. And that was, that was surprising, and they keep, I keep finding ways to win games themselves. They actually beat the very good athletics team today 14-2, to two, so that's that's a good sign. And it's a lot of players that you just don't expect, and they've got production out of a lot of these guys all year. Donovan Solano, Wilmer Flores, Mike Yastrzemski's actually banged up right now, and Brandon Belt, but it's kept going, and so, yeah, they're right there too, and has very Evan, little fanfare. Has Evan Longoria found the fountain of youth, or is he just uh, a decent defender with a surprising bat on occasion? Where is he? 281, six home runs, 22 RBIs. Okay. Yeah, it's, uh, I was going to say, I figured he would be part of some sort of offensive resurgence over there. Uh, their, offensive fan resurgence, their offensive resurgence is Donovan Solano hitting 337 with three home runs. Now, that's only three home runs, but if you're hitting 337 at the top you're, of a you're lineup, hitting a lot of things. you're doing pretty well. So it's going to be a tight race. That's the race right now is which two of those teams are going to get those wild cards. I said, I think Philly with all the injuries, it's really hard. Now, they have Aaron Nola and Zach Wheeler. So – they can win two games. I think both those guys are scheduled to have two start weeks this week, and if that's the case, they can win those four games very easily just with those two pitching. Now, Cincinnati, they're pitching. We talked about Cincinnati earlier. They're clicking on all eight right now, it seems like. Finally, they're clicking on all eight cylinders. The Brewers, they you're expected to beat the Royals. They beat the Royals. They're expected to do that. They get back to 500, and they have five more against the Cardinals, who 
I didn't mention the Cardinals, but they're only 26 and 24 too. So if they Brewers can beat the Cardinals some of those games, who, who knows? Maybe they pass them. Yeah, the Brewers have two opportunities to make the playoffs this week by getting either the second seed in the NL Central or by getting one of the final uh, wild card spots. Uh, and since too, you are right? facing, <laughs> right, uh, and uh, when you're facing the, the Cardinals within it, that creates more of an opportunity because it's not just trying to chase them. It's you, you beat them and you can pass them. Uh, so it's a, a very simple road, but we've been saying that all year long. It's a simple path to the playoffs uh, for the Brewers, and, and they are a conundrum. Uh, when you have uh, uh, Brandon Woodruff, you have Corbin Burns, who Mike Petrello, uh, uh, excellent writer for, is it CBS? I think he's on CBS. Uh, that yeah, uh, said that openly wondered this week, why isn't Corbin Burns getting more Cy Young love? For the the amazing year that he has had, uh, been the full breakout. He's always had that potential with the Brewers, but the results are are now through the roof uh, with uh, what he's putting together there. So you have those two at the top of a rotation. Uh, you have the the best eighth and ninth inning combo uh, in baseball right now uh, for the closing out games. Uh, it's the offense that just hasn't been going. You, uh, frustrating part of that is you have the uh, reigning MVP uh, been, on yeah. your team. Mm -hmm. uh, so it, it, they're frustrating because the they talent's there. Yeah, they are frustrating. And so I'm looking, I, I brought up the Giants schedule. So the Giants have four games at home this week against the Rockies and then three games at home against the Padres. So they stay in Division Two. So that's that's not an easy schedule. The Rockies have been poor recently, and the Padres have been very good recently. And that could be a big series for the Padres if something happens and the Dodgers start to stumble a little bit. Otherwise, maybe that's just a series where they start lining up their big pitchers to get ready for the playoffs, get Mike Clevenger in there or uh, Chris Paddock or – who am I forgetting? Which one am I forgetting? Mike Clevenger. Oh, Lamont. So there are that could be something that they do, but that that's gonna the big race right now. The American League is all but set. Tampa Bay, Chicago White Sox, Oakland Athletics, Minnesota Twins, New York Yankees, Houston Astros, Cleveland Indians, and Toronto will likely be the eight teams in the playoffs. The AL. Uh, we're now we're talking what's available. There's division winners. Uh, you have the AL Central is still uh, uh, up for grabs. The uh, AL East. Uh, as hot as the Yankees have been, uh, it's possible but not probable. The magic number is three. Uh, between three Rays wins and or Yankees losses, uh, it clinches the division for the Rays. Uh, so, I mean, they did just rattle off ten wins, but it would take that type of stretch to overtake. Uh, so that one's pretty good. The AL West isn't in uh, comfortable shape there. So it's the AL Central is what you're looking at for who wins that, Twins or uh, White Sox. It's a big deal because we've talked about some of these matchups. So right now, the Minnesota Twins are the second best team in the American or the American League Central Division, and doing so makes them the fourth seed. That means they get to start off with the New York Yankees, who have beat them the last couple of postseasons, and a team that Minnesota does not want to face. If I'm Minnesota, I'm honestly considering dropping some games and letting Cleveland slide up there. Like, get yourself another team. <laughs> I, they're not going to do that, but I do not want to face the New York Yankees if I'm the Minnesota Twins. How many game backs are they of the White Sox right now? Hmm. They are currently two and a half back of the White Sox and two and a half ahead of the Cleveland Indians. I don't. I'll they're, check they're, Ryan they're comfortably in the middle. I don't know if they. Maybe they get to play them. I'll check. Yeah, that's going to be the the interesting division in the uh, uh, in the American League for so otherwise everything else is locked uh, up. Assuming they don't 
there's two outs left. They need to get two more outs, and then they'll win tonight, and they'll be two back. They play Detroit and Cincinnati this week. Ooh, that's a good matchup too. So who knows about that, but that that's a rough start for a team like the Minnesota Twins. They have to start with the Yankees. Actually, all of the American League series are challenging. So Tampa Bay, your team gets to Toronto. They should be expected to win that. Cleveland against the White Sox. These teams have played themselves a lot this year, right? Cleveland and the White Sox will have played a lot, and it's it's classic. It's Cleveland's pitching, the White Sox hitting. Yep. And pitching tends to win in the playoffs, so we'll see. And then Houston is likely to play Oakland, another interdivision game, right? AL West. Oakland has had the better of them most of the year, but Houston, once again, three game series. Zach Ranke pitches one. You got a good chance to win that series or that game. And then they've had a good production out of Jose Urquidy, so all it takes is one. And we all know that they can run off a lot of wins. They've been to multiple World Series, and they haven't exactly had great hitting this year. But you tell me that I have Alex Bregman, George Springer, uh, Jose Altuve maybe figures it out finally. And who knows when they get hot, and they can win some games. Who knows? Maybe someone will tell them what's coming, and they can uh, get into a rhythm over there. <laughs> oh, but boy. Uh, had to do it. Oh, boy. Uh, but, uh, yeah, there's some interesting matchups in the AL. NL, uh, it's, the, it's division uh, stuff is still needing to be wrapped up in the NL East. Uh, the others seem are pretty well comfortable with the NL East is still open between the, the Braves and Marlins. And that's our matchup of the week, kind of jumping into that a little bit here. Uh, since we're talking about uh, uh, what to watch for this week, you have Marlins versus Braves, four-game series. Two games separate them? Not three right now. It is three. at three right now. The Atlanta won today and Miami lost. So Miami... You haven't watched Miami yet at this point. I'm sure Sixto Sanchez is pitching one of those games. Find it on TV. Watch that game. Uh, Sixto Sanchez so is incredible. Watch, Pablo Lopez will probably get one. Sandy Alcantara. They want to. I'm assuming they want to win that division, right? We did not think Miami was going to be competitive this year. They are very much competitive, and at this point, they're going to be competitive for a while because they have a very young team. I would have loved to say that's my rebuilding team because they have all the tools to be great, but they're already in contention and they're going to be for a while. That's why that AL or NL East is going to be so fun to watch for the next few years is there's not a bad team in there. They didn't always make the best trades when they traded off their uh, all-pro talent, uh, but they did get the JT Realmuto trade right. Uh, oh, yeah. it's, it's worked out well for the Phillies, too. Hopefully they make the playoffs and have a chance with it. But Sixto Sanchez, man, he is so good to uh, uh, to watch. He is the pitching equivalent of Fernando Tatis. That's what we're talking about for exciting to watch. Young, fun guys to watch. Absolutely. Yep, young, fun guys to watch. The National League Central is pretty well set. The Cubs are going to win that. But then the second spot is the one that's up for grabs. And there's likely to be two teams come out of that cluster of the Cardinals, the Reds, and the Brewers. So that's a fun one to watch this week. I have I know that the St. Louis Cardinals obviously played the Brewers quite a few games in there. I'm trying to see if I can figure out the other teams that they get to play. The Kansas City Royals, who the Brewers just got done with. So we will see how that goes for them. And the Reds get both the uh, the Minnesota Twins and the looks like the Pittsburgh Pirates. So that should be an interesting series for them. Oh, well, speaking of the Pittsburgh Pirates, I should do the Pittsburgh Pirates positive for this week. Let's have you. I'm gonna have you hold on to that Sorry. just okay. for just for a bit. We'll we'll, we'll close with that because you know there's only so many opportunities to do that I one don't yet. Forget it. Uh, but the the as we're talking about matchups that are coming up, let's just finally end it with the what matchups we want to see. Uh, and uh, how about for you? What matchup do you want to see uh, shape out after this week? So we're talking specifically in the first round. Hey, or you can expand it to to others as well. 
I would like to see the New York Yankees at some point get to place the Houston Astros. As we already know, there is bad blood in that series, if I remember correctly. We know that the New York Yankees were not pleased with the Houston Astros stealing the signs. So I would like to see the New York Yankees versus the Houston Astros also because Garrett Cole would get to go back and first Houston. I think that would be fun. I think the Yankees, more than wanting that, they want another crack at the Tampa Bay Rays. Uh, mm-hmm. With their offense, with healthy, uh, after not being able to get past them and all of the bad blood that spilled over at the in the final part of that series, to me, we're on a collision course. That's your ALCS matchup. Uh, that's what I think is coming. Now watch both of them lose in the first round and completely ruin it, but that's what I think is <laughs> coming uh, uh, there. Uh, but for me, it's I'm ready for the number eight upset. Uh, because we've, we've mentioned uh, of trying to get the positioning better here uh, because right now in the NL, uh, you're looking at this could be the Cincinnati Reds. And again, the, when you're talking a three-game series, what you don't want to face is someone with three very good starting pitchers that could all of a sudden take that over. And so the, the Dodgers versus the Reds, uh, that is not a good three-game series for the Dodgers, yes, they have otherworldly talent. They, they can definitely match it, but you're going up against Trevor Bauer. You're going up against Sonny Gray. You're going up against Luis Castillo. I, they can take two of those. Oh, yeah. uh, those pitchers oh, yeah. on, uh, seven innings, ten strikeouts, uh, they win a four to three game. They can do it twice, and boom, it's done, and it ha- it's over that fast. Uh, so that is not uh, a matchup you want. So I'm, I'm rooting for the number eight upset uh, that can definitely happen. Uh, in either place, because if since or if the Cleveland gets the number eight spot, if things change there, uh, again, what do you have with Cleveland? Uh, you, you have uh, uh, Shane Bieber, uh, the AL Carrasco. Cy Young winner, Carlos Carrasco. Uh, you have uh, uh, so much pitching talent there. Those are not the teams you want to face in a three-game series. The National League specifically, I would not feel comfortable. There is not a team in the National League that I don't feel I mean, it could happen in the American League too. Who knows? But in the National League, if I'm in one of one of the top four seeds, there is not a good matchup for any of those teams necessarily. Cincinnati has three really good pitchers. Philadelphia has two really good pitchers. You only have to win two in a three game series. St. Louis, eh, yeah, sort of is a good matchup. Maybe Miami. We just talked about it. I don't want to verse Sixto Sanchez in a three game series. He's very good. Pablo Lopez, Sandy Alcantara. That's very solid. So. That would be the top four seeds would be right now would be San Diego, Miami. It's not a great matchup for San Diego. Certainly not a good one. Uh, Atlanta versus St. Louis. It's not a bad matchup for Atlanta, but Philadelphia against the Cubs. I like Philly's two top starters better than I like you Darvish and whoever the Cubs are throwing out there. John Lester, I assume, but, and yeah, the Dodgers are probably the best team in baseball right now, but I don't want to verse, like you said, gray Bauer, or even if it's the Brewers get in there, Corbin Burns and Brandon Woodruff, who wants to verse that? Those guys are all good. You know, there's uh, the Marlins remind me of watching a team like the Rays in 2008 that was that young team that just hung around and, and went on a run. To me, I, it feels like they're they're not afraid of the, the moment. They're playing with house money. Oh, yeah, it nobody like, thought they were like, going to get there. And even themselves, they just realize they're starting to realize how good they can be. Uh, and without the pressure of, of needing to be. So they're a dangerous team to me uh, in the National League because of how that comes together. Uh, and, uh, yeah, yeah that We'll talk about some of that stuff next week, right? Yep, that's, that's what we're going to get week. to next week. Is, uh, we'll know for sure, unless the Cardinals 
make it weird and we don't know maybe we'll see well that's the way this year has <laughs> yeah. has gone so it would not be surprising in the slightest but we'll break down the first round matchups next week as we uh, get ready for uh, for playoff baseball check out the exciting uh, series and uh, how things shape out this week as we prepare for that uh, but we will uh, end this podcast with uh, our favorite uh, pirates positive uh uh, note of the of the week, and I saved it for this reason, in case anyone thought I forgot. Uh, since I I tasked Corey with uh, a, a hard challenge uh, today for a one and nine uh, <laughs> team in the last ten games, what's the positive mark with it? So since I asked Corey for that, this particular segment is brought to you by River Creek Popcorn for all of your uh, snacking needs for baseball games and movies of choice. Come hungry, leave happy. Uh, how can we leave people uh, uh, well fed here, Corey, with a Pirates positive note? So when they go one and nine. Over the last 10, I have to go to individual players. So Joe Musgrove, Joe Musgrove, not quite Robbie Ray, not even Matthew Boyd, but a player that the Pirates really had hope for. And he didn't pitch particularly well. And he spent a substantial portion of the season then on the injured list from August 4th till September 2nd. And since he's came back, he's looked like the Joe Musgrove that I think Pirates fans have really wanted to see. And today, and culminated today, brilliant start. They didn't win, but six innings, 11 strikeouts, no ERA, didn't give up a single earned run, and .67 whip, got the quality start. I said the, the Cardinals came back and beat him, so he took a no decision, but that's an awesome start. That's great. And he's really been pitching well lately, I know. Last start, five innings, eight strikeouts. Four innings, no ERA a couple starts ago. So hey, maybe Joe Musgrove turned the corner and something to build on for next year. Hey, you even found a way to not get just one, like trying to scrape the bottom of the barrel for one good game. You got a nice no, series he's of games a nice, here. He's had a nice, he's had a so, nice little comeback. Right, That's the type of right. thing that can get built on. Just ask Corbin Burns. Now, now he's going big time here on this I'm not for Pirates Positive. That's the, last time, that's the last time River Creek is sponsoring this segment. <laughs> I'm telling you that right now. Uh, there's only one more left next week, Don't tell uh, so uh, so uh, stay on uh, pins and needles for the sure. final Pirates positive note uh, of the season. With that, he's Corey Peeper. I'm Dan Lewick. Thanks for listening, and we will see you next week. Take care.